Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. Uh, we're back to the original. We're back to interviews today. My interview today is with Peter Ryan. So that was a cracking interview, and I'll talk about that in a second. I just want to thank people for getting in touch about last week's podcast. I've got loads of texts, and people contacted me on Instagram and Facebook and a few personal texts. People around my area give me positive messages. I'm delighted. I really am. It means the world to me, especially like coming from someone from your own area, lads coming from your own area, lads listen to it because there's a bit of mental health talk about there and I'm not stereo being stereotypical saying oh lads don't talk about it. We do and we're getting really good at it. But it's just lovely to hear messages from lads saying, you know what, that touched on many aspects or it really was impressive or I really liked or whatever. But it was cool. And plus the fact if you're a shy pipe, you will get called out in the liberties. If people don't like what you're doing and you're not uh, representing yourself or representing the area well, you'd be told. So it was a great endorsement. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. It really means the world to me. I would love you, if you could, to give me some reviews on iTunes. We really need to get those in there. That would be absolutely phenomenal. So I was absolutely delighted about the, the feedback. And to be honest with you, I wasn't 100% sure about putting it out. I was probably still feeling the effects of the holiday. Uh, there was loads of self-doubt, loads of self-doubt. I listened back and listened back, you know, when I was editing, going, oh, man, I'm not so sure about this. Am I just fucking sitting here waffling? Who will listen to this? Is this a pile of shy? You know, there was loads of self-doubt. And that's what I, I was trying to say last week about being compassionate and understanding and empathic towards yourself. Because some of the things I do say to myself sometimes are, are awful. You know, we're terrorists to ourselves sometimes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be. I wouldn't say the things I say to myself to a friend or a family member or other people. Sometimes it would be harsh on myself. So that's what I mean when I say be compassionate, be loving and kind to yourself. Because then when you do that, you can be a, a better person to other people. You can serve the world in a better place. And that's all I was trying to say. I wasn't trying to sound like the fucking the Dalai Lama. Uh, so yeah, so the crack is uh, Peter Ryan is the interview today and I'll talk about that in a second because we just want to say we've got some cracking interviews coming up over the next few days. I've got Craig Coakley. Today is actually the 25th of November. I'm sitting looking out the window, pissy rainy day on a Sunday. So Craig is coming over the gaff tonight. We're going to do an interview. Craig is a Muay Thai fighter. It's coincidental. I've been in Thailand for three weeks and didn't get an interview with somebody that does toy fighting and I go back to Dublin and I have a lad coming on the podcast who's ninth in the world and he's number one in Ireland 65 kilos I think he fights I've had to be watching some of his fights absolutely cracking cracking fighter so I'm buzzing to, to interview this lad you know from somebody that's interested in sport and performance so loads of questions that's him and then during the week I've got an excellent podcast well I hope that goes ahead it's with a girl called she needs a daily. She's part of a support group for survivors of sexual abuse and rape. I'm really looking forward to that. Really nervous now, I have to be honest. A bit like when I done the the Claudia and Liz Scanlon interview, you know, it's gonna be emotional, but I know when I sit down with Shanita, just like I sat down with the two girls, energy follows energy. And these people are generally positive and uh good to be around, so I don't need just any need to be nervous about it, but I just get nervous because it'll be emotional. Uh then I've got a, an excellent one the week after. I think I'm going up to the north to do an 82-year-old bodybuilder called Eric Dowie. He's still competing at 82. I think he came toward in the world in the drug-free 
bodybuilding show so really really some deadly interviews coming up and i can't wait to, to bring those to you so we're back to our basics of bringing interviews rather than me sitting banging on talking about stuff over the mic now fairness people did say to me that they enjoyed it but i actually enjoy it and i get more from it sitting down interviewing other people and letting them hold the mic and and i gain inspiration motivation and education from it and as we are all about here is stories that have the power to inspire so in saying that on the podcast today is peter ryan peter ryan is a paralympian uh, who's lost 90 percent of his vision and he's a tandem cyclist now this interview was brilliant peter is is a phenomenal athlete by all sounds of it he's a phenomenal person we touch on stuff like coming to terms with losing a sight he lost it you know as a young lad so coming to terms and he didn't lose it straight away it gradually lost so there was a lot of dealing with acceptance and and how he dealt with that with avoidance and drink and you know and then where he found his passion you know he's a sports athlete and the, the support of his family and then we touch on stuff such as the sports science you know it was a really really in-depth from a personal point of view i got so much from it you know uh, from my passion of sport but also my passion and interest in human development and peter touches on all that so i think you will enjoy today's podcast uh, so yeah that's coming up now so as always i'll ask you to have a listen to it and please go on to itunes and give us an l review we really need those uh doesn't matter if you don't just keep listening but i would love you to do that so uh yeah so that's the crack look enjoy peter's interview get in contact with us on facebook instagram twitter text me whatever you like please give us some feedback get in contact let me know how you enjoyed the show wherever you are in the world mind yourself be kind and compassionate and enjoy the show thank you welcome to the magic minds podcast i'm matt bork my special guest on the show today is peter ryan peter what's the crack not too bad pleasure thanks for having me i'm absolutely delighted to have you on peter i've asked peter come on peter is a paralympian cyclist he's a visually impaired uh, he's going to share his story with us today about life before and after and all the, the events that he's been involved in over the last couple of years since he became visually impaired. So, Peter, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the show, my man. Nice one. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll crack into it. Um, sure, we met a couple of weeks ago anyway, so I suppose yeah, uh, you, know the, you know the gist of the story. But I was actually blown away by your story. So, just give us a little insight to, to what life was like before you became visually impaired. Yeah, so like I suppose I have the unique perspective of not having always been this way. I'm 28 now, but um, up until I was 19, just turning 20, I uh, was able-bodied or whatever that term means, but uh, life was definitely a lot more simple anyway. Um, grew up in rural Ireland, Tipperary man, and sports mad, just hurling football, soccer, football for the city listeners. But um, yeah, and it, life was good and I was good at it and... Um, as a result, I suppose it was it was pretty easy. Like I was coasting through secondary school. I was making all the teams. Um, by fifteen, I was getting international soccer trials, and seventeen and eighteen, I was playing hurling and football for tape. And like I say, when you're that age, everything else is carefree, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I was able to have a laugh. I was one of the lads and driving my car. I left school and went working in the buildings and serving my time as a plasterer and just doing all the normal things what my mates were doing and nothing crazy about it and until yeah went back to start to 2010 
playing a few challenge matches just with the local team and started making some mistakes and thought I needed contact lenses. Simple as that is how this whole thing really kicked into gear. But I I always say it like I probably said it in the talk as well. Like, but my life before this was just what I'd like to call a perfectly beautiful, simple life, and that's what it all boils down to. And I guess I didn't really appreciate how good it was or how how simple it was. Wow. Hmm. So when did you find out then that you're for for our listeners you're legally blind so you're you're roughly working off about ten percent yeah of your yeah. vision yeah and even like what is ten percent like you know it's it, it's it's shit I assume we can curse away on this podcast but like it's absolutely sh- it's uh, it's it's shit breaking something like you're as important as your eyesight down to a figure like you know and because they all they could tell me when I got my diagnosis is that I won't ever go fully blind. And what does that mean? So I had to live through that. I suppose the the condition means over the space of about nine to fourteen months it takes your central vision in both eyes. But like I didn't know what constitutes your central vision when you're going around this carefree world where you just have eyesight, John, not fully blind. In my head I was going off to ninety nine percent blind and I may as well be blind and you're yeah. living in your head and you you have to actually I often think sometimes like would it have been better if it was just like a bang in the head and there, boom, you lost the eyesight. Right. And, and you're right to where you need to be. But I had to live in this crazy world where it was by degrees, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And it was literally a case of going home from work on a Friday and coming back on a Monday. And and you could notice through your day-to-day life, like something that you could do. Do you know that was They were the markers. It wasn't, it wasn't me going for a visual acuity that I noticed that. And it was me looking at a measuring tape and saying, oh, fuck, I can't see that now today or something that uh, just your field of vision getting smaller and little jobs that things that you could do were being taken away and you were just living in your head and all it because I was the quintessential man of not talking about it as well so I like working on a site and Bravado Central I decided to just tell people Asher I'm grand and Asher it is what it is and that was that so was the my- world around you was getting darker essentially and you were missing things it might have been it could have been seriously dangerous on the building site yeah it, it was like when i look back at it but then it was the only thing keeping my sanity yeah the fact that i had that distraction um because like i said i wasn't dealing with it so being off linkedin not be dealing with it and also have nothing to do and i suppose that's ultimately what did end up happening but the company i was working for were brilliant they they kept me going as long as I could, but like I said, it wasn't wasn't a safe environment for me to be in, and 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 I and even just down to how tired I was getting because my whole day was constituted around don't make a mistake, don't do something stupid, and don't have anyone notice that there's anything wrong with you. Even though the lads did know, like they, everyone knew the crack, but you're, you're trying to act like you're normal instead yeah. of even instead of even reaching out saying, "Geez, I need a hand at this." So your whole like I used to come home, eat the dinner, and just be dead on my feet. So I'm sure there was two things going on for you. One was worry about not making a mistake and people uh, seeing it, and two then I'm sure you were up to ninety, up to hideout with anxiety, worrying: uh, is my vision gonna go? Is it going? Is it going? And what's life gonna be like? And all the other ramifications. Uh, like I said, that list was a very real thing. Like this thing of oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, and that was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jeez, it was, that must be hugely impactful on you. It was choking me. Choking well. you. Yeah, it really was. And like, and not knowing where life is going because like I had no acceptance, and I know that's brandished around a lot, but I didn't want this life. It was it was the one that was unfolding in front of me was not one I wanted, and I didn't make any inroads in trying to be better at it. I suppose there was a part of that that was scary anyway because 
until until it stopped getting worse like what's the point in even trying because all of a sudden I figure out a little way to work the washing machine and boom two weeks later I can't do it because my eyesight has got worse so it's wow. like in some ways I was better off just like leaving it till until it stops then I can start adapting but I wasn't even in that headspace I really was just running all I wanted to do was drive my car and be cool Peter and the sports was a huge part and I didn't appreciate like I was good at it and I really didn't you took that for granted like oh completely like yeah like and even there's a social aspect to it that I like there was so many layers to what I was getting out of sport I didn't even comprehend like I was meeting all my mates without organizing to meet them all of a sudden I had to like ring them up to go for coffee if I wanted to meet mm. my friends and I didn't go for too many coffees back then I can assure you but yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, when did it when did it do the, the full weight of it come down on you when you're in? Like, I suppose, like, the, the pinch point for me was, like, when work was gone and sports was gone. And so I say, I'm, I'm always, like, I look back and I'm reflective and I, I keep things simple. And, yeah, like, with, like, my life was pretty simple and I had, like, work, I had, I had sports and I had social and two of the three were gone. So yeah. I was, like, it was way too much time to think, like, between work and sports, that could have been 60 hours a week. That I was spending, and all of a sudden, wow. and all of a sudden, that's wiped. Do you know what I mean? So that's a lot of time to think, and and it's a lot of time to drink. I suppose is ultimately where we could be heading here. But that's like where the, my next question was. Yeah. It's obviously going to be a little. It's say to there was a lot of avoidance. So what did you do to? to well, like I suppose part part one was the not talking about it and the bravado and the yeah, sure it's grand and it is what it is and all that shit festering in my head and then. Then I did make the mistake of rationalizing on the drink front as well. I was like, and like I said about wanting my old life, like that was one of the things I rationalized. I was like, oh, this is the exact same as before. And it did. It actually felt like, oh, I'm not, I'm not any different than any lads here. Because my whole thing was like constantly feeling shit because you're comparing and contrasting to what you did have and this version that you don't want. And I, I was drinking and for a while I was feeling like, oh yeah, sure, this is like me being the exact same as the lads and even that it came from a pretty warped train of thought like because ultimately i was justifying a crutch and i was justifying avoidance coping really because like what and i was fair look at i'm not i've no saint and this isn't a i'm not like trying to make out i just fell into drink because because it is like i was like your typical ga binge drinker like i I could party with the best of them even when I could see. Okay, you didn't go from naught to 90 all of a sudden. No, was, no, I went... You Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I, and it, but I suppose sport... But then I was, like, I was... Like I said, I was... I was a bit of crack and I was laughing. The GA scene almost lends itself to complete binge drinking. You give it up for a month and you play a match and you're on it for three days. And, like, I suppose I was no different than a lot of my peers, but, but I was... like They used to even be worried about me. I put it that way at home about my drinking before the eyesight and then I just I suppose it was just a, a natural go to and what's worse and I probably didn't even say it today I was um, with G but there's almost a thing with disabilities as well looking at that there was a tolerance for me doing it I was allowed society will let me drink a lot because people just rationally oh sure what would I do, do you know what I mean there is this thing of oh I don't know how I'd take it so it it almost society enables you to to be a bit of a dickhead Wow, and that's that's a that's a, a really interesting insight. Yeah, I I, I can see it. I can understand it. Go, ah, oh, look, he's he's having a hard day, or he's having a bad time. He's he's got to find mm-hmm. out he's partially blind, or I be all right. 
And you, I assume listeners know where you work. I, I don't know. Maybe, oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. In the National Rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. but you probably see it every day like that. that like, there is such a... Now, obviously, people are more early doors there, but I, I'm well-connected in a disability kind of environment, and there's such thing as learned helplessness. And that's something I strive to keep away from with all my will, that I don't fit any stereotypes, or I don't... I don't just ask her, you know, what would I do? Like, like... A disability can be a reason or, or an excuse. And People I, can become per, professional patients. Oh, completely, yeah. And I, it's the last thing I want. I don't want, I don't want even be known for being the local blind lad or the local. And I suppose, look at, I'm, I'm less hung up about those things. I, I, I'd say that those things, those thoughts, they motivate me now, whereas they feared me and they were, they were holding me back, once upon a time. So, yeah, I did. I went down the drinking route and. I went down it in a big way and ultimately life was going nowhere because like you throw like obviously it wasn't clinical depression but like you do a six seven day bender like I could give the next half a week in bed and where's life going and you're feeling shit and it's just it was a pretty low place for a finish like and it was all under the pretense like I said like one you're almost allowed to do it because because of the disability piece and then I was a bit younger as well, so I used to be smart enough to hide my drinking through parties. I wasn't a brown paper bag man. I was, I was go to every session, but I was the common denominator at every rag week. I was in every college in the country. I was just like session, 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 and once Ses- it session boy, yeah, party boy, yeah, and once it ends up in a nightclub, sure, that's sure that's normal, like because oh, there's because yeah. there's loads of people in a nightclub, so it's not like you're you're doing nothing wrong. But I was smart enough to work the system that way, but. Did oh. you know deep down that you were? They made were doing it. Yeah, um, like in hindsight, I and I did because you'd have when you're in your, when you're in your low place after a session, and and the amount of times I was going in the the gate at home, like and just the fear from about a k out coming to home because I go AWOL, like I as in like I I wouldn't tell him where I was I'd be just off the grid for three four days in a row phone off yeah 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 ring ring him once early on a Sunday morning let it dial twice hang up and turn off the phone I tried yeah I knew I was doing like do you know what I mean when I because even I'm from a big family and we're all wild as goats like but but they're (laughs) wild as goats but they were but they but even their wild was different like they'd come home and they'd they just I just always had little traits that that weren't it wasn't what normal drinkers do I suppose but um so look I caused a lot of hardship at home through all that they were worried about me anyway and yeah. not to mind like just like I say going like it was one session I just ended up in Malta like I started what? yeah I know like I ended up in Malta ended up in Malta I had a mate on Erasmus over there and I just ended up like and I text and I knew I got the absolute fear like I was over there I was like what the fuck have you done like and then I just text my sister I was like I landed okay and I just get the text back landed fucking where like and I was like and I was like and, but like honestly we, we laugh about it now and I do like and I, I bring that one up as a laugh very slowly at home that's oh, <laughs> uh, there's still a scab around that like but like they were they're worried about me coming up to Dublin here today. And that's eight years later and I'm in this good place. Early doors, I wasn't in a good place. Oh, they didn't know how Christ. I was getting around. Like, no parent... Like, I was so selfish thinking this was only affecting me. But it's only a couple of years later and a bit of perspective and a lot of counselling, I realised, like, it was affecting my whole family. And oh, absolutely. I believe it. And, like, in my job, you know, when I deal with people with brain injury, families are the second victim. 
Yeah. You know, they really need support as well. But your look, you couldn't see that. You were in the eye of a shitstorm. Yeah. So you were just doing what you thought was best for you. Do you feel like you lost your identity? I, I love. Back then, I mean, did you feel like you lost, like, you know, you were a sports Oh, like, I, I completely, like, I had to grieve a human. Like, yeah, yeah. I felt like, because, like I say about the compare and contrast, and it was, there was nothing I was doing that was the same as before, or maybe it was, but it wasn't as good. And ergo, I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. Like, even, like, my mates, they're all dead on. They bring you to a five-a-side, and, and they're playing a five-a-side, and I'm like, I'm just shit. And he, maybe it's just shit compared to what I used to be, but it's like, oh, and maybe five aside sounds very trivial to some listeners, but it's like, it, that's a daily occurrence at everything from like figuring out a new technique to hit the kettle. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, tea, pouring, a cup, pouring a cup of tea should be pretty trivial. And yet all of a sudden my nose is nearly in the fucking cup. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. just so you don't overflow it. Like, so it's like, it, it encompasses your whole day. And that's why you're tired. And like I say, when that's in your head and it's festering. And I, I spoke to you that day about like starting off, it's all these literal things. Like you can't see your shoes and you can't see the measuring tape and yada, yada, yada. And, but it negativity projects then as well. And, and it amplifies and you have like a whole host of things that are going on. And all of a sudden I was, I, I'll never have a girlfriend. And I'll, because, and I, I laughed when I was getting the diagnosis about like, not being able to give it to my children I was like I'm fucking 20 I don't really care about family planning here but uh yeah but like but at the same time then all of us when you're in that negative space I'm like oh sure who'd want me because you can't click the young lads from school and you can't do this and you can't do that and you're 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 throwing off things that aren't mightn't be for 10 20 years down the line but ultimately like then you're you're paralyzed with your life as in like that person like you said he's gone and the one that remains you don't want him and you're not even willing to acknowledge who this is like so it's pretty non-existence like what was the what's the diagnosis called again was it leb lieber's hereditary optic neuropathy wow oh, yeah it's a bit of a mouthful how do you L- like them apples <laughs> exactly yeah lhon will suffice but yeah. i'm not i i always tell people i'm not science boy or medical boy i i talk about what it's like to walk in the shoes not at a functional level yeah at yeah. a very functional level I think that's that's the only thing I can bring to the table like it's yeah and I think people appreciate experience um, what do you think brought you what helped you come out at that, that space of avoidance the drink the, the difficulty around the family what would you reckon were the supports that got you through that well, it was like family was huge like family and friends I'm lucky I come from a cool place and like I still have the same friends since I'm five. Like John, you know, yeah. we're, we're all tight, and and I must have been a pain in the hole to be around at that time. But especially to the family, but they they stayed there, and as much as they they made a couple of attempts now, um, like are you drinking too much? Are you doing like because as much of a front as I was putting up, like even though I wasn't batting an eye, I wasn't giving them an inch. Like they knew, do you know what I mean? And they were, mm-hmm. and they were there all the time. And look at when that final session did come and it was a pretty long one now I was gone AWOL for a few days again but I suppose it was a combination of like that support and time and it, I was just broken my sister landed up to the house and we had a chat I was like yeah man I'm gonna walk home with you and have another a bigger chat and yeah Jesus. the bigger chat led to ringing a treatment centre it's based down in Tipperary actually. okay how long did you spend in that Oh, I did the whole 28 days gig. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get sober. Yeah, but it was the best thing I've ever done. And I like, I, I still, I always say, I don't know. 
like I'm not I'm I'm not the biggest AA advocate in the world I'd be lying if I said I was but I'm an advocate for counselling and for making a change when you know there's something wrong in your life and I think it's fantastic and I've I've done it through the medium of there like I don't know was I a 22 year old alcoholic or a 22 year old that had a big life problem I was drinking the shit out of it as a result but it doesn't really matter to me like I'm John, I'm six years later talking to you here now I haven't drank no. because I can see one like it's not life is good and it's good in every aspect so why why even bring that into the mix like it's yeah. do you know what I mean I can have a laugh I can try a woman I can do all the things my mates are doing only yeah. only I have a hit on me in the morning and I'm still motivated and I want to beat my condition so family were huge during that whole process like I can't say that I did it on my own by yeah. any matter of means I was delighted when you done the talk and you mentioned about the counselling and the huge impact of it now, I'm, I'm a huge fan of counselling I think you know people should engage in it and it's great that you talked and being such a young man and you recognise like people sometimes have insight that they need counselling they, they just won't go there because that's another door to open that's another Pandora's box so I, I definitely take my hat off you for even to go down that route is fantastic. And it's tough, like, and like I didn't know where I was going. I was going to this treatment centre and, like, I half thought I was going to get drink prayed out of me. I, I really, <laughs> I, I didn't know the process. Like, sure, it was only Pete Doherty and Amy Winehouse that go to treatment centres or, or, or there was going to be a junkie in the corner. I just had no experience of any of this, like, and, yeah. and between already being given the tag of being blind or visually impaired and now you're throwing alcoholic on me and I just like my head was absolutely fried and I didn't know what it, and I, I literally I remember like it was 28 days in there and it's obviously it's a process of kind of breaking you down and building you back up but I honestly like I I used to have this thing and it had to it had to make me aware of it like during a counseling session I used to be putting my hoodie up to my nose like like physically blocking my mouth from words coming out and I didn't even realise it at the time but wow, like that was subconsciously yeah subconsciously I'm not this crack. So kind of, yeah the hoodie was going up there up over the nose like, and the embarrassment hide your face it yeah. yeah it was just like a little like I don't know awkward tick that I had in there like but it was literally don't talk it and they like, picked that up yeah they picked it up and made me aware of it I was like yeah why am I doing that but that's savage and it doesn't just like it's not going there and all of a sudden you spiel but like I've seen the benefits of it now and it is hard but like uh, we all have that little voice in the back of our head that's saying like you should do this but you know it's hard like it's often the thing you don't really don't want to do is the thing you should be doing like your you success know. is in your mess is what they say yeah exactly or that phone call you don't want to make or whatever it, like it doesn't have to be as big as counselling but oh, of course I was only talking to Becky uh, Becky Woods from the job last night doing an interview and you don't grow out of, out of comfort you grow out of discomfort you don't learn through through success you learn through failures completely I'm big advocate advocate for that like and even mates of mine and to be talking about like it doesn't matter what like that you get the buzz off of doing something that you don't know you can do do you know what i mean like say it's like call it a marathon or whatever like honestly if i was doing a marathon the first time i want to do 40k is at the actual marathon like i kind of have that mentality of like sure there's no cracking it if you know you can do it that's not growth like that's just like you need to push the boat out in like different aspects of your life like and I suppose look at sport was one of the ones that got me back on track and I suppose it was peace and a bit of the old Peter with the new one and through the counselling like I, I was starting to get a grip of acceptance like I, I probably have a different concept of what acceptance is than maybe even a dictionary version but like 
I look one at, that suits you yeah and I, I look at it it's like it, it's like a grip you know you're holding something there and like today I'm talking to you and I'm brilliant I'm, you know, I've had a great day in Dublin I was like Mr. Independent going around the place and doing things that I know once upon a time I thought I could never do and I get, I get my buzz off of that but like it'll only take me I might be leaving here and I'll trip on a step and all of a sudden I'm stupid blind boy again do you know what I mean like it like it, it does it comes and it goes but like but being able to say this is shit I don't like it that's still a form of acceptance like oh, 100% I, I love that I, I was a lot yeah, worse yeah. when I couldn't when I couldn't even acknowledge its existence like I was just like ah, sure it is what it is you saw the cliches yeah that, that only means shut up I don't want to talk about it. do you know what it'd be grand like? yeah yeah it'd be grand yeah you'll grow out of it like it's not yeah. do you know we, we, things don't go away but like actually talking about it just dissolves it for me yeah. so I'm I'm probably an overshare now I went from being an atypical lad who doesn't talk about anything to I'll get on better with the gals now I'd say oh, no, I, love it. I love the fact that you said that you know just like being and I say this to everyone you know I have good days I put bad days the good days are good and then the bad days are bad nothing lasts and it passes and like as you said one minute you could be happy as Larry and go out there and trip and then you're sad but and that's just normal yeah and do you know what the beauty of that is though it's not nowadays I know it's not because I'm visually impaired everything in my life was like anything bad that happened it's because you're visually impaired and like as a society like that's that's one thing that we're all desperate for it's like be it I don't like my nose or I have a bit too much weight or I'm diabetic like anything in life that goes uh, wrong we, ex- we accentuate that one thing we don't like about ourselves and, and it's we focus the, in on it and it's the cause of everything like but the reality is everyone has a good day everyone has a bad day it's fucking a chemical in our head like it's like and it'll, you know, and it'll never last it won't last sadness doesn't last so does happiness they don't last yeah there's one of my housemates he loves the the old Bill Shakespeare line of um, nothing is either good or bad it's thinking about it that makes it so oh uh, brilliant I yeah, love it yeah that comes I actually out. never heard that before that's yeah. fantastic mm, yeah it's a fact like and, and once you actually look at it for that it, like, it's true like it's um, so yeah I like to keep pretty grounded on and I look at there's nothing like losing 90% of your eyesight to give you a bit of perspective on <laughs> what actually matters and you know maybe maybe being like getting a bit of stress at work in the grand scale of things like it's like am I getting it or am I actually taking it on myself or you know you just you just get a better sense of what matters Savage you've a fantastic attitude Peter. I love it I love it so when did the when did the cycling come in I know you'd, you'd done some stuff on a what bike in UCD was it in yeah went, went up late 2012 um, I just went for a trial trying to get back into sports very very humble kind of origin and yeah I got put in this fast track program which was just giving me a coach like I had no background in cycling I like that was not anything I, I knew anything about really bare the words Tour de France like that was it like mm. but I got into it and I just started I started enjoying it on a simple level just getting a bit of exercise in and like I said like the things that go with it you're meeting a few lads and you have a smelly gear bag and you know you just feel like you're I was back in a bit of a mould and I won a national title pretty early on um, my first year of cycling I won a nationals and then was that on your own? no so I'm visually I'm on a tandem so you do the tandem yourself and Sean Sean Hassey Sean Hassey is my pilot now for the last two years Um, so we're in training now for Tokyo but this is back to start 2013 and I didn't know my arse from my elbow on a bike like I, I really had to 
and I'd be pretty sports mad like I like we were just talking about boxing before we kicked into gear here like I like the rugby I like football soccer GA whatever like I, yeah. I'd follow like most of the conventional sports but cycling wasn't one that I grew up with um, so I had to learn everything from scratch and look at it was I was getting a lot I was getting confidence out of it and I was enjoying it and then I got called up and I went to my first world championships in Canada that year and I got absolutely battered around the place for 120 kilometers I can and all of a sudden it made sense to me because it was hard and if it had if it had been easy I like I probably would it would have fell right under the bracket of why I was afraid to get involved in para sport I was like oh sure disabilities and you know like I would have thought Peter before was really good at sports so having disability sport isn't any good like it's I'd only get tired of playing it after a while but you get bored it's yeah, too easy yeah, like, exactly. all these people with disabilities yeah so exactly I'm not I'm not one of them yeah but, yeah, but yeah. I completely am one of them and I got like I said I got battered around Canada and I realised yeah, I was like yeah when you actually break down cycling there's no part of cycling that where my like I'm on a tandem so my disability isn't a factor I could technically be good if I was good enough I could be good enough to be in Tour de France do you know what I mean if I got my sight back what would be stopping me like it's a physiological sport more so and fantastic yeah. insight so I had to I realised that and I was like yeah these lads are actually operating at a serious standard and look at I it's endurance sport takes years and years and like I'm I'm at now you know, five years later and I'm like I'm only starting to get proper good now do you know what I mean like I, I thought I was good and every year you think you're good but you're improving and like I'm like we're getting closer to medals now at the world stage like and you're and up th- there you're yeah. going to go to t- Tokyo in 2020 yeah. you made Rio 2016 yeah and, Savage. and and learn so much from that campaign like I said that whole three and a half years of training to go to Rio and like I was just learning the whole time and I probably lost time because I was just absorbing the sport as much as learning on the job yeah completely so now I know what the landscape is like and I'm I'm doing Tokyo smarter but I'm a better athlete anyway and it's all clicking into gear like we just came back from the world championships in Italy last month well no actually sure October now is August but yeah. um yeah we finished seventh out there like Savage. we're only eight seconds off a bronze medal and like we're getting we're getting there and we will get there so that's more to the point and if anybody's listened to the show I was only taken back by what you were telling me earlier sponsorship is really shite for you guys you just need plenty of money yeah and it's it's the look it's the big complaint of every athlete in the country but yeah so if anyone listens to the podcast sponsor the athletes that are going to Tokyo please we have like we have the unusual predicament of just two athletes on one bike and essentially we're just seen as one entity Right. so like you're doubling the costs of everything straight away like between a hotel or a flight or whatever so it's like logistically it's just that bit more i won't say hassle it's not hassle on my end but it is like yeah. uh, there's there's expenses incurred all right but look i'm even everything i'm projecting here isn't isn't about what's wrong i know i know what's wrong i could write a thousand letters to the sports council it won't make a difference because i'm not saying anything different than what every athlete is saying I want to try and augment it and figure out ways to do that. So that's why I do the talking and trying to build my profile. And yeah. look at essentially, I'm lucky because I get to, as a job. I'm doing so. I'm doing two things that I love. I'm getting to race around the world on a bike, and I go into companies now and I speak and I talk about mental health or about life or about just changes that we need to make. And so I'm I'm in a blessed position there. I'd like to be busier on the talking, but it's hard to balance it in with training and. 
and that side of it but yeah fantastic things fantastic. are good tell us about your race around Ireland you've done with Sean oh. uh, 2,200 miles or something like that in 122 <sighs> hours with 10 hours sleep yeah what the fuck that's like you pretty much summed it up so it was kilometres not miles but other than that you hit the nail sorry yeah but look it was still 2,200 I felt every one of them um it was without a doubt the most mental thing we've ever done and it started off just as a team building exercise we met for a coffee back about last November and the season was finished a little bit earlier it was like early August and we wanted something to keep us on the bike and maybe a bit of team building and profile and a few things that went like that and then and we were so blasé about it it's not even funny we are like Asher we'll do the race around Ireland and 2100 we, that's all we were saying 2200 kilometres as quick as you can that was it was the only things that were coming over my mouth and like there was people when I was saying to them they're like are you mad like or whatever and I, it didn't dawn on me it was just another bike event but I met the the organiser Alan Heary and uh, he basically I did a podcast interview with him and his whole agenda that day was just frightened to show me and, and it worked because <laughs> um, he was just telling me some more stories and the fact this is the 10th year of the race and he doesn't have 40 people that can say they've completed it so it's, and it was never done by a tandem um, so these are all things like it was it was motivating and I was like again another thing pushed the boat out and after leaving him I was like fuck can we actually do it like you know, in a good way I was like yeah this is this is proper like and I met Sean and I was like look we're missing a trick here if we don't do it for something worthwhile um, it was just down to the fact that I was racing for the last four or five years you do a race you win a race you lose a race like it's brilliant and it motivates me but on a personal like I like personal growth as well and cycling a bike isn't always what I deem personal growth like so mm. I just wanted to do something better with with the bike with the fact that like I know it couldn't help like a race like that had the ability to touch every house in the country like so we decided to do it for two local families and and again the perspective piece like give people a dose of reality because Within these two families, there's three sick kids and cancer, wasn't it? Yeah, with two two of the kids, you're talking. Um, Jesus Christ! You're talking infant leukemia, basically. But then, wow! Uh, and then the other child, Sean, has a condition called cardiomyopathy. But he he they found out about that when he was very young and was having emergency treatment, and it's a rare heart condition. But then, while they were actually um, while they were treating him for this. He ended up getting this syndrome called Deuce syndrome, which is basically he get, on a bad day he could give eighty percent of his day getting seizures. So it's like this all in one house, and the other the other family they have one sick kid, um, Mikey, who's just after coming out of a bone marrow transplant there in August, and all is going well thankfully. But he actually lost a brother to that battle two years ago, Sean. So Jesus, that's so there's, rough. There's a family, and they went like they had already went through the journey and lost it and they asked the doc the medical world like is there any chance if they have another child can it happen again and they're being told like they, they basically it was the opposite of winning the lottery obviously like that like you're only talking seven to nine kids in the country get this condition each year and they're two of them are after getting them in our locality like and then they're so anyway so sean passed away sadly and they had another child and Mikey they noticed something after about seven months and yeah poor Mikey had it as well wow that's unbelievable uh, like it's like I say about perspective like there's something very unnatural about kids being sick and and I'm not for a second bringing this back to my thing but like 
my whole attitude is there's nothing wrong with me bare my eyesight i.e. there's nothing wrong with me full stop and like I just I thought that race if we if we marketed that race well enough between what we were trying to do like it like the the event itself was huge and then the families were doing it for like those stories they needed to get out there so we only used the race as a vehicle to help them and thankfully we did we raised over 90,000 euros for both families like I people I was mad I set the bar at 50 that was I needed to set a target and I didn't mind if I failed I wanted a big target I was like I'm going to do a bit of a song and dance about this I don't want handing over five grand and I don't want to dismiss five grand but I don't want to just hand over with with the stories that these families had I want to do something significant yeah, seriously uh, ambitious yeah like it, it is it, like I say push the boat out I love it love um, it so we did and Jesus we absolutely knocked it out of the park people are good people want to help you kind of give them a just kind of show them the way at times yeah what was what was the give us an insight to what what it was actually like oh that to, race to do it like, <laughs> like 122 hours with 10 hours sleep I, I I read parts here you're falling asleep on the physio table like where do you sleep in that like oh it was a crazy crazy event um like after the first day it was already the hardest thing we'd done I think we we clocked up like 440k within the first the first day but it the clock doesn't stop like it was it was more like a war field because um, your only your only safe zone is getting into the camper so we had a good support team I had a support team with which I had a camper a van and a car following me you know the camper would generally shoot we'd generally take a little break every 120k and try and clock up a couple of them but it was just such you get to the camper and it's your safe zone and then 15 minute break and you're gone again like we slept for two hours every 24 and you're like, Jesus so you're, Christ! Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was relentless. But for a finish, like honestly, day one I thought, Jesus, two hours sleep, and I was pinging the next day. I was like, I'm gonna be the most productive man in the world when I go home. I was like, I'll be doing business with China. <laughs> I was like, that's how that's how. Pro- I was like, two hours sleep. Should have tried this one more often. Like, and no, it just starts wearing you down. Yeah, coupled with the obviously the exercise and the lack of sleep, it just wore me down. Um. I went through an awful night up in Mayo and and that was only like day two like during the day I was absolutely pinging but that night was the worst night of my life like it just the cycling through the night was hard like the first night it was a bit of a novelty but second night tiredness started kicking in like Sean was seeing things I I was telling you that before I wanted to crash I was like that was the only thing that made sense you wanted Sean to crash I wanted Sean to crash I was like that's how that's how we'll get out of this I was like I didn't want to quit and quitting was never on the table for me but if he crashed but I managed in my head I managed to find a loophole I was like yeah Jesus if we crash no that's that's the way out so um that's thank- interesting Becky said the same to you last night she had a 100k cycle and she had a, a credit card in her pocket and she was with a girl and she wanted to stop shit if a taxi goes by I'm just going to pull the taxi over and get in it she can go on her own because I don't want to let her down and it's the cool thing about that race like so do you know people always like like it's almost brandished out there oh the head will give up 10 times before the body and it's obviously something I'd know through sport anyway, like whether the figure is right or not, it's generally, you know, you're talking, the head will always want you to give up first. But this race was like the cross-sectional area between like the head and the body, like because it took the body to the point of breaking down so many times. Like uh, we went, my second last sleep, I got a 40 minute kip in Watford and I woke up and my body had just shut down. I could like the last two days, the two physios we had with us were putting on my shoes and socks. 
Jesus. Mm, I wasn't able to bend over to put them on. I was just like, I was the walking dead. There's photos of me there. And apparently I looked at my father who's 70. Like, spit of him by all Were you eating like, on the bike? How we were you eat, eating? We were eating on the bike. We were eating everything and anything. But even towards the end then, you're just like, you don't want anything. Like, your okay, like body, yeah. body, body was... Did, did you just have a nutrition on, on board? Like, you know, you have macronutrients, like carbs, fats, proteins. But who's taking... Because people are taking care of that or what's the crap? Yeah, like, so I'd be, like, I'd be well-versed in that world anyway. But, yeah, I'd done my bit of research. And, like, I, I'm always laughing about this race. Like, because... Because of the World Championships, we didn't have time to conventionally train. So I was like, yeah, I, I read a book and listened to a couple of podcasts. And that was my training for the event. Like, But on the nutrition front, yeah, I was I was well stocked. But it almost, it, it delved into comfort food then. Oh, and yeah. On day four, it's you're not thinking sports. Like, sports science, love it. But it did not get me through that race. Like, oh. hugs and breakfast rolls. And I'm a coffee drinker, but all I wanted was a cup of tea and a breakfast roll in the mornings. And it was just... Whatever gets it, you through. It was survival at that stage of the race, yeah. It yeah was. I'm sure you broke and all your amino acids came from your own muscles. Oh, well, I did. I, catabolic. Lost, I, I went catabolic, yeah. I met the physio the week after and like I lost I lost muscle mass on my legs. and like I gave a week on crutches. I, I can like, only I imagine. Could, all my joints were flamed up. I like I couldn't walk for a week. I only Jesus I remember the following, the following Thursday... I put on I put on a shoe and I got off the I put on a shoe on my left foot and I got off the crutches. I was like, this is the best day I've put down <laughs> in my Deadly, head. Deadly. In my head, it was like the best day ever. But yeah, it was it was a savage event and everything that went with it, you could never replicate for on so many. I honestly think you could write you could write a book on where your head goes, that negativity headspace that goes into and and yet you don't give up. But if there was another day, I reckon the body would have just pulled me out of the race. I was very like. The, like I said, those last two sleeps it took me about fifteen twenty minutes to even be able to move once I woke. Um, right. it, it was heading to a pretty dangerous place. Like, yeah. Do you know I, I read I read about it uh, online when I knew I was doing the interview, which I read it and I thought it was a lovely piece when you said you were crying on the bike, thinking about the connections that you had lost with your friends, but now they were reconnected through this event. Yeah, and it was like it was like Jesus. Thankfully, I wasn't related to any of them, but you, you almost, you go away feeling like you're in love with these people. Like, it was like... No, that's honestly like, love. You love like your friends. It, yeah, that's but it was... It, just you love it, your mates. Exactly. Yeah, it was like beautiful. every one of them on that team. Like, it was such... Like, it was a bond that we can't get away from anymore. Like, it was just... Every time we meet them, it's all... Like, since the race, like, we're only... No one wants to watch... That's one WhatsApp group no one wants to end. It's like, we went through something that's so special. And the world didn't even matter outside. Like, I... I, I told the listeners like why we did it and I came into this race having like I'd always say like you need a good why no matter what you're doing like why are you doing it and the why in life yeah it's the, the, it's the most important thing ever the why, why. and why are you doing it yeah and and to me I suppose I went in completely saying it was about the families it was about like what we were raising it for and uh, that side of it after about two three days of that kind of battlefield it just became about that group that I was uh, that were supporting me and we were supporting them and didn't matter how shit we were we were coming back in and they were they were giving us hugs and it was like it just became about them like i didn't even know what time of day it was for two days i had this mad idea in my head that i thought like if you don't know like do you get tired because it's two in the morning or because you know it's two in the morning so with a race like this i just wanted to try and like it was something i wanted to try like and i do think it helps like not knowing what time it is because you're just you're only in the now you know you're not worrying about what Margaret said to you at work or what this happened or what that happened like it was just here and now for a full week and it's a really rare thing we don't do it enough like but mm. those nine ten people were the only people in my life like 
Yeah, and oh. what I found the interesting part of it, and it's just seriously coincidence, yeah, I'm into coincidence, I don't think things happen for a reason anyway, uh, the fact that you all you guys are GAA backgrounds, yeah. and there's a great sense of community in GAA, yeah. and I've always said that soccer in Ireland could learn from that, like, you know, I don't think they have soccer in Ireland, doesn't have that same mentality, the fact that, that GAA have, you have this community spirit, there's a look after you, and I'm not saying people in soccer don't do that, but we could learn from it. It's about the community. It's about sticking together. It's about pulling in the right direction. Definitely, my my experience of the GA world, and I, like I say, I played a lot of soccer as well. But like, it, the GA was so rooted into the community or something. It is, I don't, yeah, it absolutely and, is. And like, like I said about having the same friends since I'm five to now. That that's the reason why. Like, it is like the battles that you put down there and no like you said you you grow or you know it's the stress that makes you grow or whatever yeah. you put and you were saying there was a guy there as well that he played on other teams and he got in contact with you to give you yeah. a dig out as well was that right exactly yeah so Ed McGrath reached yeah. out to me a guy that I like two of us used to just batter each other up to Box about the, the head uh, up to the about the age of 17 and then then we met in a pub and realized we're the exact same and it was all great again but um yeah deadly but, but it's that like it's that, that. It, it's that community that we that we made like and friends and enemies like enemies were friends it was just what we taught you know what i mean and yeah and and like like you said i i got so much yeah just rekindling that thing with with the lads was I big really, for me. that really touched me when i read that actually because it was savage. it was it was gone it was gone forever and um apparently apparently exactly and I didn't in my head I didn't think I was ever getting that back but yeah having the lads going around in the van just they were doing whatever it took I was like I was laughing that it was a good thing there was no job descriptions because people just worked themselves to the bone to get me and Sean through that race and I'll never forget like what went on that week like it was and it was all so selfless from everyone like it was it's rare would you do it again? not a hope for it Um, (laughs) I will. I I love I love the concept. I love the challenge aspect. I won't do that race. I like I I think I have a good rationale why, but like it was perfection, and and even I look. You'd at, never capture that again, no, would you? No, that and magic even, moment. And even the like the dire moments. Like I say, I remember leaving Mizzen Head at three in the morning, and I was bawling on the back of the bike. Like, and mm. even that, I wouldn't replace it. Like, it's just it's what happened. It's. Like the good and the bad all made it perfect. Um, so and between the charitable element, the whole lot of it, I no, you can never rec- you'd be just chasing a high that doesn't exist. Like yeah, you can never so, recapture. No, I w- like I will do some mental fitness orientated um, adventures in the future. Like I have a couple of them in my head already, but it won't be till after. Apparently, like I'll have to just settle for the olympics from now for now (laughs) what what you've got tokyo coming up yeah uh, so what's what's involved in the training for that what way does your your training schedule look just for me as a sports that was a bit of a bump in the road uh the race around ireland now that wouldn't be a typical event it just it fell at a good time of year um it was heading into the off season but i i'm generally i'm on a bike roughly 15 to 20 hours a week six well five to six days a week at the moment i'm only on it four by next week I'll be back up to five and, and eventually anyway six days a week there's two gym sessions thrown in there and I'm meeting a physio I mean basically like between all of it between your physios and working with sports psychs and I'm lucky like I'm a carded athlete so I work through the Institute of Sport up in Abbotstown but like there's 30 hours a, a week gone with me just on training orientated things and that's not counting travel 
and then the qualification process it's two and a half years of touring Europe and the world going to World Cups World Championships and C1s that's kind of a lesser event again but fuck yeah it's pretty average like it doesn't like and like I say I want to do it right and for me doing it right means I'm coming back with no regrets and uh, so that means I want to be as professional as I can be and like I say I like to push the boat out and I like challenges but like ultimately I'm only doing this for like for medals because like I say I'm ambitious but I've been to Rio what's you can either call yourself an Olympian or you can call yourself a medalist and I already have one of them so saying that I went to two games doesn't actually motivate me okay that's Uh, savage yeah Uh, as we were talking earlier like saying that you were learning on the job do you now feel like you are do you do you you rate yourself you know in comparison to say Rio and that you were learning on the job do you now feel like you know what I'm in a show here yeah I think and then confidence is everything as well like but you know you do you do, you have niggles of doubt every now and again but I was yeah. always I was always a, I was always a workhorse like and yeah and I do think like I'm not coming to the table with as much natural ability but I suppose over time I realized like I'm a sportsman and so probably my attitude was the best thing I brought over and I'm coordinated in different different strength areas but like disciplines yeah yeah but I wasn't I was I wasn't an aerobic machine coming into this sport but I'm working my whole off ahead and I like I am in, in that confident place where Joe I'm hopping off the big boys in races now and Joe I know myself I'm a bit more like the old sports me where I, I might be a bit mouthy as well and Joe but it's because do you do a sledge do you oh there would be a bit like because you're oh, love it. you're heading to a corner at 50 kilometers an hour and only one of you is getting the best line do you know it's um and you'll be like fuck you it's not it's not, sometimes it's only sledging after the corner but like it is uh you're putting on the face and you're going like it ends up just being a game of chicken like and if if you're the one that pulls out well you're going to pull out every time so John, you know, sometimes you have to you have to do stuff in this race to win the next one do you know that's very uh, PC of you yeah yeah <laughs> how but has like, your how has your your VO2 max uh, improved over the last few years yeah no I know like like we were talking about body compi- composition as well like ever, everything has improved um, baseline lactic levels like yeah. I, I'm far more aerobic even even the race around Ireland like, actually starting to see like I'd say I could have actually the left ventricle could have even gro- grown during that race like I, you would have uh, improved your VO2 max even through that race yeah 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 can, uh, it can improve just, it's all base work and I suppose like I came from a sport where it was just sprint 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 I didn't have this huge endurance base like I'm doing 120 kilometer road races she wouldn't be used to clearing it's, it's, lactate no, that quick no it's a different animal like yeah 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 you know, different different uh, physiological energy system ex- exactly you completely know I mean? like so all that took time and I suppose I, w- I was impatient and I'd, I'd be hard on myself then as well and that was leading to maybe not being as confident as what I should be but yeah I think I'm, I'm in this comfortable place now where yeah I'm, I'm going into races like fit, improving your VO2 max improving your fitness level improves your cognitive ability it, it improves your cognitive function it improves your mood so if you're not physiologically fitter your thinking skills won't be as good your mindset possibly won't be as good it all kind of and you, but dominoes you need, yeah and you need the accountability that's what, what i'll be doing during the winter months i'll be like testing every four weeks or five weeks and you have your you have your baseline and 
I love that the accountability absolutely yeah and you can measure what you're actually doing rather than aimless training and everton have a go heroes yeah yeah exactly everton has an agenda and before you know it you're saying oh i'll do better next year i was only saying that to becky last night the 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 devil is in the detail completely like and and when you get to this level like that's that's where it's at like one percent i am like you say eight seconds i finished seventh eight seconds had me on the podium now two seconds had me in sixth place and under two had me going backwards had me in ninth like your deal that was over a 40 kilometer tt fuck yeah like where where do you like you think you've just absolutely emptied the tank and there you find out two seconds more could have had you two like sounds like nothing but it's everything exactly and it's so stacked like so so little things do count and even comparison wise i used to be a team sport athlete now i'm an individual athlete in some ways especially with my training and the accountability piece is huge because like a, in a GA or a soccer match I've played shit and we won and I've played class and we got battered do you know what I mean right 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 uh, whereas that does, you don't bring that to the start line of a of a race like because when you're a solo athlete all I have is my own my own little checklist I was like like did you do this did you do that did you do this did you do that and then boom if, once once that's making pieces yeah, then you can swagger to the start line because you know I mean? swagger to the start line I love it you know like it's yeah. not it, it's not something that like, like your touch your skill set is very important in a field sport whereas physiology is king so oh, yeah. whether whether I had a pizza and no I do I, like I I do let myself off on a Sunday evening but like diet wise I'd say like 85-90% is an A so totally. like, you have to you have to have a bit of balance as well but absolutely I, I would be the one to say like did the pizza you had in November, did saying no to that pizza, does that make you physiologically better? Or is it just the fact that you can bring that to the start line and say, I didn't do this? Uh, you're almost trying to build up this battery of things that you can say the other dickheads didn't do. And that's <laughs> you know, that's all it is because it's a fake little list probably in some oh, yeah, ways because yeah, yeah. they're doing it all as well. It's the mental toughness. When you get to that level, like the, like the VO2s are starting to get very similar. There's not... There's not ten percent of a difference in in athletes. Well, Tim Noakes talks about the central governance theory that tr- lactic threshold doesn't really play play that much a role. It's more the actual the brain, the mind, and pushing so. beyond it. <clears throat> I think so as well because I know I know guys that can't test for shit in a lab. You know they 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 look very average like in a in a lab setting, but you put them into a, a in road a game. race and you put put a wheel in front of them that they have to catch and it's like different men altogether yeah. and that's it kind of counteracts the uh, the, com- the lactate threshold doesn't it yeah lads will go through a wall whatever is in the brain to win some people are just formed that way and yeah I think I could have a touch of a <laughs> touch of craziness it's yeah, a tin maybe. line between genius and insanity maybe and I, yeah I get the buzz off the, the speed we do the adrenaline that sort of shoulder and going into a corner with another bike like I yeah that's that's why that's what was gone you must have a serious relationship then with, with Sean is, is that yeah the, we're like we're very close knit um, and it's a huge part of it like because aside from aside from training and racing together and the tandem is all about synergy don't get me wrong like I have to I have to know what Sean is thinking on the, at that second like even though because you're doing 50 60 kilometers an hour and you have to you have to chase down a, a sprint like you don't have the luxury of telling me so how do you know when to what to do sprinting now we, I, like it's time together there's almost like I can often like genuinely like 
I know by sometimes by like I'll be close enough to Sean's back like I can know by different angles that he lets his hips up to or does different things like I'm I'm alert to what's going on with him as much as the race great intuition oh completely like and even what's going into his head at times like we've trained so much you go out for so many four hour long spins you just start becoming succinct to each other like or he'd know if I if I was starting to get a saddle sore, he could feel it on the front. Like he's like, is ever not? John, like it's just really, yeah, it's just time. Fascinating, that is time together. Um, it accounts for a lot, but but then you throw into the mix, it it's more than just it's tandem isn't one on one, it's two. Like it's a synergy setup mm. because you bring you bring the heart and you bring the pride and like almost sometimes it's nice that I'm not. I'm not giving up in that race for him and I'd like to think vice versa that Absolutely. you've it, uh, like say like with the tandem we do we do so much training together like but we're beside it like the nature of being visually impaired I'm walking around with him an awful lot you're like you're a bit more reliant on him in a hotel than an average teammate or when you're abroad oh, in Italy yeah, and yeah. stuff like that like we give Side, like so much time side by side like and even the race around Ireland tested us that way because yeah. we have five days where we didn't leave each other's company and that we have to be comfortable to be quiet as well do you know what I mean like of I've, course I've had I, like I've had partners and like even just the age demographic was different you had less to talk about I don't want to talk about cycling when I'm not cycling do you know I, I'm all about break down this, especially in the track cycling break down the session right where can we improve boom 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 close the book and then Leave start that more. yeah and then start talking shit again be, be normal young lads and did you see Mary or let's start Whatever, cre- yeah. creeping on people on Instagram and <laughs> do you know what I mean like you don't let's be honest yeah exactly like it's, that's what we're doing here like but yeah when once once the work part is done I don't need to be talking about it like it's we've just done six hours on a bike like yeah only, uh, I'm, you flogged I'm, the bollocks over already exactly exactly so that is important that like I say, all those little things they they add up come race day. Um, so it's a real. It's like any dressing room. You need to have that bond as well. Yeah. Yeah. So come here, just as we we touched on sledging and we talk about GA. What's your thoughts of the, the, your interest in sport? What's your thoughts on the Conor McGregor thing? You man hopping oh, out of the ring. Usually, I keep away from controversy in my um in my. Uh, but but look, we both know it happens in GAA. It happens in soccer. All sports do it. People jumping out of fence and giving a fan a box or whatever. And, and plus, Dylan Dennis is not just any fan. What was your thoughts around that? Like, the, it happens in sports, isn't it? All over the place. It does. It's it's very public now. That's that's one thing for sure. Look, they created it themselves. Like I know, look at Khabib is the villain now, but like what this was They're both equally the same, you know. It's, exactly, it's, it's like it's, it's tit for tat. Like I, I for some reason my my gut is saying that like I would say Connor is very very methodical and everything he's doing is around like and he, I admire him in a lot of ways, but he created the event with what happened with the boss. I don't think I don't think that was put on. I think there's cultural differences that I don't think maybe were understood. Yeah, when, of course. When the sledging was going on, I think like... I said some bad things. Didn't yeah, you? and you're dealing with like... And look at 99.9% of athletes know it's Connor and they're selling a fight, but maybe he just touched the bone with the wrong lad at the wrong time. And at the end of the day, look, he, he lost the fight that mattered. So, yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens now because... I just thought there was a lot of hullabaloo though about jumping over the ring and then people oh it's the worst thing ever it happens every week in local football pitches GAA grounds refs getting boxed I got threatened as a referee I was going to get the head of boxed at me 
it just happens I think that, I think what's making it stand out is the fact they're they're trained fighters though and like, he's in the public like, eye yeah Johnny Johnny in the football match only thinks he's a hero do you know what I mean? Because he's he's doing a few bench pressing or something like. But but these guys are like, in your average show they would put in a coma. So I suppose that that added the hysteria and even just the nature of actually climbing a cage to jump out. It's like it dramatized the whole thing. Like and he went he, in two footed. Yeah, if he had if he had walked over subtly to headbutt someone, it wouldn't have been as dramatic, would it? But uh, he went all Jeff Hardy on us. But, um, <laughs> So oh, it's sport, and yeah, and look at he he crossed the line. It was it was stupid in hindsight because yeah. purely like I, it doesn't actually bother me a whole pile to be honest. Like I'm not, I couldn't I'm, give a rat's. No, but I'm not an MMA fan. I'm just I, interested I, in sport and I, stuff. I, I'm interested in the conflict side of it, but yeah. I'm not actually. No, I'm, I'm like not that. a connoisseur of either. No, I just I like Connor as an athlete, as a person. I don't really know, and I don't really care. I don't have a judgment on. He's made a lot of money, and I wish him well. And he's done a lot for our sport which is fantastic he has and it, and it was self-made it wasn't handed to him no, it wasn't do you know no, I mean? so I admire him for that there's a lot of what he's done that I greatly admire like, like from my side sports science I look and think he's a phenomenal athlete his movement his physiology I interviewed his doctor Jules Dalby he's a cool egg yeah go for it the person so if you be asking me what you think of him because he's from the inner seat in walking glass I don't give a rats I don't care go for it do whatever I'm, I'm like that with people in general like I don't I don't know him I don't like, do you know like what's he like is a question that we ask way too much like oh uh, yeah like, like, well, like said, it's not like going to be spending time and I'm not going to yeah. ask him to go on holiday so it's, it's, not, it's irrelevant isn't exactly, it exactly exactly come here Peter uh, what, from this interview what would you like people to take away from it I suppose there's a few pieces we even touched on in the interview about like pushing the boat out and challenging yourself but like I suppose a big thing for me is self-honesty nothing good that I've done until until I actually like looked in the mirror and reflected on a few of the things that I didn't like you know, that that it's a hard process the counselling and, and that side of it but that is a huge one for anyone and and counselling is just a term it's a like but really like counselling can be talking to your mate it, like you know, like sometimes people are afraid of a, a process you don't have to go to a professional but Jesus, you have to vent every now and again, and uh, like, cause those like little thing, little thing, just building up, building up, building up. It 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 doesn't end anywhere good, and it mightn't be mightn't be next week you get dysfunctional or two weeks time. It might be when you're forty or fifty, but like, if you actually learn the skill of just letting it go every now and again, it'll stand to you long term. Savage. It's Kaboom. interesting you say that. Uh, a psychiatrist in the job gave me a little plaque as a present and a book, and it says on it. A best friend can be cheaper than a psychiatrist. There you go. Yeah, and so she's doing herself out of business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she's well, and she's a great quote. She said, "C and C, colleague and coffee can save you a lot of hassle and work." Yeah, just going having a chat with a friend. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Peter Ryan, you're an absolute legend. Uh, I don't throw it around uh, easy, but you're such an amazing person. I love your motivation. I love your attitude. It's brilliant the growth that you've had. I'm honoured to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much, and I hope people get what I got from this. It's just tons and tons of inspiration, man. You're a legend. Cheers, loved it. All right, and uh, yeah, brilliant. Oh, by the way, and if anybody's listening to this and they want to sponsor Peter or want to do anything to help the uh, the Paralympic cyclist, 
send some money as well you could do it couldn't you yeah you can go nuts go nuts yeah <laughs> if it's supplements if it's counterfeit cash whatever like ah, it's, yeah. it's grand just like, no yeah. slaps in the face um, no so yeah you'll actually have a website there peterine.ie and you can follow us um, Tipperary Tandem is the name of me and Sean's pages are yeah. peteryj20 on Instagram and even just the like honestly that's support follow in any way shape or form absolutely so um, what i'll do is i'll put up on when i do the show notes i'll put up your your web page or instagram stuff anything that if people want to get in contact with you if they want you to do any talks or anything yeah like perfect, i mean yeah. uh publicity 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 even to make people aware of you know paralympic sports uh, and give support is awareness is, is key yeah that that race around ireland i kind of people helping people help people and that's yeah. that's just how a gig it's just like doesn't all it might be just a coffee you're ringing me up for i don't actually care like the world will be better we just trash it out so fantastic fantastic thanks a lot no bother okay so there wraps up another tremendous interview as always i'd like to thank me supports noel royley from rooney media noel has been in the graphic design business the last 20 years and producing quality work for the last couple of years they've been the chief graphic design for the college prospectus at UCD. Um, I've been using his services the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, producing posters for health and fitness stuff, and always, always produce quality work. So check those guys out. Also, my old pal Carolyn Harvey from ISA Nutrition, for anybody interested in dropping body fat, gaining muscle, maintaining a healthy body weight, getting rid of some nutritional ailments, she's your woman. If you're also interested in competing bodybuilding competition, male or female, I would recommend her. I am currently working with Carolyn Harvey and the success has been phenomenal. I have done a review already and I plan to do more. But if nutrition and strength condition, that area is something that you'd like to get coaching or advice on, I would check it out. And the prices are really, really good, really good, better than a lot that's out there. So I recommend you check her out. Also, Miel Crew. Kevin Doyle, sound editing and just producing and just support. Absolutely legend, Kevin. And Miel, mate, Aaron Kyo, social media. Lads, you are brilliant. The team uh, would be lost without you. Okay, so that just leaves me to thank my listeners. Thanks a lot for listening. I will urge you, please, 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 share this with family and friends. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the kind of podcasts mediums that are out there we're we're on them right the way across we also have a youtube channel and uh, so check us out on that please go on to itunes please subscribe please leave a delicious review we love it absolutely love it so that's all the plugging i'm going to do for this podcast as always i will say to you please show yourself compassion please spend some time with love and kindness in your life because if you are kind and loving to yourself you will project that to the rest of the world. And if we can all could do that a small percentage of our day, the place would be a nice, nice place to live. Right, wherever you are in the world, mind yourself. Have a great day. Bye-bye.